वेलकम टू सुन टॉक Talkers around the table today discuss the fields of forces around. We'll think about the historically changing and dynamic nature of the fields of forces in nature and the universe. The core impulse would be to understand how one body acts upon another. Why do some forces take time to act and some are instantaneous? How do degrees of freedom get frozen as the number of bodies increase? we'll possibly discuss the difference between emergent and fundamental forces and understand whether life and market forces are also forces in a similar way we are very pleased to have three sin talkers around the table today professor st agashe who is professor of electrical engineering and is also interested in the history and philosophy of science mathematics and technology he is from iit bombay dr saurav pal who is a quantum chemist and director of ncl in pune and professor siru prai choudhury who is a theoretical particle physicist from tifr mumbai Professor Agashe, maybe we set the ball rolling with you to understand how we have come to be where we are. What was the conception of a force and force field several thousands of years ago, several centuries ago, and where we are, why we are where we are today? Let's just um, take that historical arc, and we'll take it from there. Well, I will uh, go a little beyond uh, recorded history, sure, and uh, to some extent, uh, conjecture as to how. the ideas of forces and fields might have arisen mm-hmm. uh, even before uh, their published appearance so to speak okay so i would consider that the notion of force would have had a origin or a beginning at the human level when uh, one human being acts upon another in a combat in, in the yes in a combat <laughs> you know push and pull hit and uh, okay. duck and things like that okay uh, because that would be a first hand experience of force mm-hmm. uh, or in hunting or in hunting or in hunting yeah or in hunting yes, yes. and Hunt something uh, as big as a mammoth or something yeah, yeah. Uh, you know also lifting things for example lifting a big boulder uh, would be much more difficult than lifting a small one and things like that so it is to get work done uh how would that be too simple well there is some intention uh, if it yeah. is combat there is a definite intention of uh, yeah. doing something to your opponent yeah and uh, sirup mentioned uh, hunting yeah. so that is an example where uh, direct uh, human action so to speak you know hand to hand or uh, uh, combat Mm-hmm. uh was supplemented by using what eventually became weapons correct so stones to start with maybe then uh, arrows or uh, darts and uh, 
the modern day missiles and that's Correct. the so sort of extends the range of uh, human uh, capability to act mm -hmm. the uh, mechanical implements and devices uh, that of course extends the concept of force because now uh, Take the case of a projectile. You pick a throne, uh, pick a stone in your hand, and then you, or maybe put it in a swing and swing it around, or hurl it at something. Right. Uh, there is more than your initial experience of uh, throwing it. Yeah. Uh, you see the uh, stone, so to speak, travel to the target. Yeah. Uh, it's a hit or a miss. So. There is also this idea of motion associated uh, with your action. It's no longer just action and reaction uh, of a direct kind, a tactile kind. Right. But now you have put something in motion and which goes and achieves something, maybe has an impact with a remote object and causes uh, something there. At a different point in time, there is... Uh, um, well, of course, hunting, we can debate whether uh, mankind was food gatherers. Uh, I mean, agricultural man came before the hunter. Most probably the hunter preceded uh, sure. the agricultural man. So, uh, okay. of course, this notion is purely uh, a, at the level of... Uh, ordinary human beings having their existence and uh, eking out their living. So there's nothing like a deliberate uh, uh, view to understand what's going on. You know, you, you feel it and uh, you can do it and things like that. Sure. How do you think of the field of force? W what does one mean when one says force field and when, when do you think that entered the human imagination? Uh, maybe a possible uh, scenario would be, as I said, uh, force starts with uh, personal experience. Uh, yeah. Okay. Even today, as children, we'll, we have to experience force at uh, bodily first-hand level. But then, uh, you know, mankind, uh, people may have realized that there are some things that they can't do. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, a lightning strike, for example, or a storm, or wind, or mm -hmm. water gushing uh, down the stream, and uh, events of this kind might lead you to the feeling that uh, there are other forces at work. Uh, you can push your opponent, but uh, the water pushes you and you get washed down the stream or a boulder comes rolling down the hill and it uh, hits somebody or lightning strikes. So and there does. are forces of nature outside. So there are forces of nature. So yeah. it's not just uh, man-made forces, yeah. but also natural forces. Again, if you look at it from the point of view of a primitive society, yeah. and I think the idea perhaps arose from the fact that they had shamans or witch doctors yeah. who at least claimed to be able to control such fields of force, right. to be able to do things remotely. Right. I mean, for example, the, he would point with a stick at a person and the person would then sicken and die. Right. Or he would be able to do, at least the claim was that they could make rain or make something. Right. So I think the basic idea of a field extending out from some individual or some place yeah. and extending to some far distances and doing some action there, I think that arose from what we would quote, say, quote-unquote, mass magic. Right, the, right, right. And it came into science at a much later stage, but that we'll come to. Right. But much right. of much of this, I also feel that uh, that after you know the science came, we understood probably. Mm -hmm. But much of these forces were invisible. 
in some way. But so that Absolutely. is why I think Professor Agassi said that it's, you have to experience it in some way. Right. Because they're, they're not visible. Even apple falling, the force is not visible. Of right. course, the experience is, uh, is there. Right. So I think uh, we have a lot of in, in, in electromagnetism, for example, yeah. the gravity. Many of it is really un, invisible forces. Yeah. That uh, we can only experience. Right. So I think what That's they're saying, uh, yeah, what I think uh, both Professor Agassi and Srilup are telling is that the human beings were experiencing them uh, long back, even before the science was understood. Yeah. And I think yeah. in some form or other we are experiencing. Yeah. But we probably didn't know uh, how to quantify what is the force, the That's field very interesting. that you see. So, Srirup, how do you think, uh, when did it first get abstracted and conceptualized? Do you think Aristotle had something to do with it? I think it starts with Aristotle. Because yeah. uh, Aristotle sort of, as as people know, is sort of set himself to make everything, all, all branches of knowledge systematic. Yeah. And <laughs> among them, he, thought, he, he conceived of, he called something which is a Greek word which is equivalent to force. Mm -hmm. Which is? Which is something which causes things to change. Things so to he, change. See, so, anything which causes a change yeah. is a force. And when applied to physics, of course, that is change of position, which is motion. Mm -hmm. But he'd conceived of other things also. Things which cause life with things, living objects to evolve, he would call life force. Correct. So all these things which we, we, we commonly use these words, like life force or some social force or something, but we don't realize that they originated with Aristotle. He even talked of political forces. <laughs> right. So yeah, to yes, him, absolutely. anything which changes something is a force. Right. And perhaps in many ways, at least if not in science, in language, we have picked up that idea. And remember, Aristotle's idea stayed with us for about uh, nearly 1,200 years. Correct. And so those uh, concepts are there. Correct. And yeah, I, yes. I guess uh, even today we talk about market forces. We market talk about forces. market forces. <laughs> In fact, I'd like to say something about that later. Sure. But one of the things which Aristotle, well, the way he differed from modern science is that he also realized that if that there is something, there were things he called natural motions. Mm -hmm. For example, he felt that if you drop a stone, it falls to the ground. That's a natural motion. Mm -hmm. That doesn't require a force. Of mm -hmm. course, we know today that there is the force of gravity which causes that. Mm -hmm. But according to Aristotle, that was a natural force. Smoke rises up. Yeah. So planets, according to him, move around the Earth in yeah. circles. That these were natural motions, according to him, which didn't require force. The only thing which happened later with Galileo and Newton was they realized that the natural motion is not these motions, but it is motion in a straight line with uniform velocity in a straight line. Right. And anything which changes that is a force. And once you come to that, that is Newton's definition of a force. That's, That's very the first law of Newton. So essentially the only revolution which happened with Galileo Newton was to realize what the natural motion is. Yeah. Otherwise it was Aristotle's idea, just yeah. corrected with this. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. once we come to that, of course it is modern science because yeah. we still define force like that. You go to a, go to a class, school classroom and that's exactly how force is taught. Now if I may add to what uh, Shirup has said about Aristotle, uh, you know, when we talk about natural motion and... Uh, say the free fall of a body or planets moving uh, as see, seen to be moving around the earth as it were. Uh, Aristotle most likely did not have any idea uh, or he did not want to entertain the idea of any agent causing that uh, change or motion. And uh, so by natural you mean it just happens. There's, there's nobody uh, who is uh, pulling the uh, apple down. So he would not even talk about the earth as an agent which is uh, bringing the apple down, but it's the property of the apple uh, 
to fall, uh, to go to its natural place, uh, which is towards the earth and things like that. So, so you know, the action is seen, but you are not able to, or you don't want to ascribe it to any agent as to why this is happening. Uh, but you see the action or change or, uh, you know, change of place or motion or uh, development, growth of organisms and their corruption or dying and things like that. So that would be a natural force. Uh, unfortunately, later on, uh, things got a bit confused and uh, you mentioned the uh, magic magician, the magic uh, man or shaman. So the force is now ascribed to him that he is able to influence uh, other uh, human beings or even nature, you know, incantation and things like that or appeasing the gods, as it were, will result in something. So this kind of uh, feeling that you could change uh, things happening uh, by personal action came later. So I'll just clarify. Aristotle, uh, in fact, Aristotle did believe in this kind of thing. He said he thought everything is pushed by other things, essentially. Right. But he asked then who pushed that thing. So he goes on and asks, there must be somebody who gave an initial push. So they yeah. called it the prima mobile. Prima mobile. Uh, which is the, so, and then of course that, the, the, the Christian church, of course, loved that idea because the God so is the religion, yeah, religion. <laughs> so it became, went to religion and that's why he was a very great favorite in the medieval age. But uh, yes, he didn't believe in having a different, having agents, mm -hmm. non-mechanical or non-material agents for everything. Mm-hmm. He thought that okay, things work out, everything works like a machine, and there is somebody who started the machine. Is that but the idea of that ether? So ether came later as yeah. not as a medium yeah, to carry but, uh, things. But, uh, but uh, somehow uh, that is like ether is something is which is… also something which carried the, carried the motion. So that he had a materialistic view. Right. Of right. course, for his time. Right. And Sirup, and maybe yes. we just jump uh, yes. a couple of millennia and come all the way to today. Yes. And uh, obviously the understanding of the world of forces is much more sophisticated. It'll keep getting so. How different is it today? And maybe we'll just keep jumping back and forth in time so, to understand this better. So everyone will not agree with what I'm saying. At least some of my colleagues certainly won't. <laughs> but I think we haven't come very far from that. Oh, that's <laughs> interesting. <Okay>. Because <laughs> today we have a cosmos which started from a Big Bang. Of course, we don't know why the Big Bang happened. Yeah. Yeah. But, okay, so what was the force that led Big Bang? We don't know. It's don't a, know. It just happened. What's so a guess? It's like a prime mobile. No, there's no explanation. No explanation. No no it is a prime mobile. Yes. I mean, <laughs> we have a different name for the prime mobile. But can I, can, I, Big Bang. can I also say right. everybody doesn't believe in the Big Bang today? Well, I think... Uh, I mean, <laughs> without... without, without <laughs> yes, but I think the majority of... Majority uh, probably scientists do. Still well, scientists accept, will do. But the prevailing it dogma. Being, it is that being is debated today. Well, in Aristotle's time, everyone didn't believe in the prime mobile either. So I think that's... that's that's, there are always uh, differing views in science, and that's a good thing because uh, you know you can't have progress unless you have different views. But why do you say but, that, Sirup? Why do you say but, we haven't come far? No, I said we have not come come far conceptually. We know a great deal more about the workings of how the how right. things work in between. Right. That we know infinitely more than Aristotle did. But so far as if you're asking about the origins, I think we haven't come too far. Right. The answer simply is that we don't know the origins. Okay, we can take things back. But right. at some stage, we just give up. Aristotle also gave it up at some stage. Right. And said, okay, there's a primum mobile. There's somebody who pushed it in the beginning. So Right. So, so you're saying the core uh, pending conceptual push is really the... Why does it happen the first time? What no, is the prime? Happened. prime it, happened. it just happens. No, what you are essentially yes. saying, like, for example, let's say to take two charged particles. So are you saying, why is there a force between the two uh, charged particles? Yes. So first of all, why is not a question which science normally answers. Right, that's that what I that why did it start? It, it exists and we know how it behaves. 
Mm-hmm. We can tell you that the, char- the force between charged particles is there because of so and so. But if you ask why is that so and so there, then at some stage you will there's no answer to that why. There's no answer. Right. Right. To that why. That's the way nature is. And Sir, what so, are the forces? How 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 do you cut the universe up uh, if we are so, to split it force wise? So now you see there are uh, different kinds of force. Mm-hmm. So there are what you call the fundamental forces. Right. And then the fundamental forces, of course, show up in different ways. Okay. So perhaps the one which is purest is gravitation. Yeah. Because uh, as you know, everything is attracted to everything else by gravity, and uh, that pulls everyone, and everyone feels that directly. Yeah. The one which is perhaps the most interesting is the electromagnetic force. Yeah. Because that shows up in various ways. Right. So from so almost all the interactions we see around us except gravity are due to this electromagnetic interaction. Mhm. So electromagnetic interactions used from everything from the bonding between chemicals yeah to forces like capillarity which make uh, water move up in the, in a, up to the top of a tree to any almost any other kind of forces you see in nature around you the common forces these are all sort of collective effects of electromagnetism the fundamental force is electromagnetism but you see it as a collective effect right right so that's there and then of course when you go inside nuclei there are bound by nuclear forces strong and then there's the weak nuclear interaction which i will come to at a, sure. at a slightly later stage sure but those forces are there but they are more more esoteric in the sense that they won't affect your everyday life mm-hmm. it is these two other ones which do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but those are of course more interesting if you want to go and understand the origins of the universe right because they ha- actually are forces which act over very small distances correct so today of course those small distances are only there inside the nuclear atoms yeah how small is this small femto well, uh, femtometer 10 to the minus 15 meters yeah that's a kind that's of scale that's what i'm saying femto but if and you, there is no influence whatsoever uh, not, beyond not, that not whatsoever there are collective influences but they are not very they are not seen right so you you want experience them in your daily life right but if you go back let us say to just after the big bang Mm-hmm. when the universe was a very small point mm-hmm. then all these forces were equally the distances were the same that was the size of the universe that's so all very these forces interesting yeah. were acting over the same kind of distance yeah so at that stage all the forces were important mm-hmm. and the what they did at that time has governed the structure of the universe which developed afterwards right so if you want to understand the origins of why the universe is as it is today yeah then of course those forces have a strong role to play yeah 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 so, that's very interesting that's right Dr Paul I think how how is the world bound together yeah uh, I just before I answer yeah, that can I just intervene and ask sure. that when there, you are talking of uh, no progress made I yes. thought there is at least a conceptual progress made in terms of unifying some of the forces oh I'm sure I mean, sure. of course, you have not been able to do grand unification sure. or whatever. That's why right, we know a lot more about the nuts and bolts of the, yeah. the forces act. But because he asked, and have we changed from the concept of a prima mobile? Right. That, okay. Yeah, that's at that. That we don't But have. But of an course, we, as I said, we know vastly more than I started it about how these forces act. Right. And the fact that the there are only that there are only a few yeah. forces, and there are not so not a multitude of forces, but just a few. Mm-hmm. So unification, of course, has been a big achievement of science. Unification right. of forces. and uh, perhaps that's what uh, dr pal means when he talks about uh, yeah. right. although the, the the all the four force fundamental forces are still yet to be unified hmm. uh, in hmm. terms of understanding but sure. i think of course. Uh, at least three of them are so i think that is a great conceptual progress but i i always i i have a fundamental philosophical problem in terms of defining this prima mobile is it really necessary to define because that is where the religion comes in and that is where there is it's a very gray area but mm-hmm. in science and religion because since we can we can never define what causes the force 
you, I think Sirup's point probably is that can you define that scientifically? Can you understand that scientifically? Can you understand that in a non-belief driven way, which is where religion probably comes in? I think it's simply a matter of asking a question of what causes. What causes What causes, causes A? A Correct. is caused by B. What causes B? B is caused by C. What sure. causes C? I'm C saying is that you can't. You, yeah. Where do you stop? Uh, where Correct. do you stop? So I think at some yes. point this is this is the this is the uh, I'm not saying danger, but this is where the religion can come into the science. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm saying that's also okay with me. Sure. Because at some point, you can't really keep on asking these questions. And there has well, to why be somewhere. Not? Well, you can keep on asking, but there is no answer at some point. Well, so this is where this is I what think he's telling. We don't know yet whether there is yeah. no answer. So this that's is what he's telling point. that there has been no progress in that front. That's interesting. Yeah. In so, Doctor Spal, I mean, yeah. if we if we just stay in tracks a little bit, how is the world bound together? Obviously, we see so many objects around us. They're made of molecules. They are further made up of atoms, and so on and so forth. But what is happening at that basic uh, binding level? How do atoms no, and molecules? You are, you are talking about atoms and molecules yes. binding. Okay, that of course is uh, uh, there are electrons and the and oh. the and the protons and the neutrons. Sure. As sure. I think. As he said, there are within the nucleus. Of is course, that there are mysterious strong, anymore, or is that more? Well, it is more. It is being understood. It was mysterious, of course, okay. at one point of time. You know, even even little more than hundred years back, people didn't know. I mean, you had this Bohr's model of atom where the electrons. You were, mean before the like, advent of quantum mechanics, it was. Yes, mm -hmm. slightly even slightly before the advent of quantum mechanics, when right. the Niels Bohr, who himself uh, started quantum mechanics, made a rather incorrect picture of atom. Yeah. In the beginning, <laughs> which was the hydrogen atom, where he said that the electrons are moving around the nucleus, which turned yeah. out to be which turned out to be correct for the hydrogen atom. Yeah. Energies and hydrogen-like atoms, which are basically single electron atoms. So How is it different for the other atoms? Uh, so for the other atoms, when the electron-electron repulsion starts mm -hmm. coming in, mm -hmm. because, because there, are more there are more electrons because of higher atomic number. The, mm -hmm. the, the essential premise uh, of Niels Bohr of simply quantizing, quantizing the angular momentum didn't work, mm -hmm. didn't give good results. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the whole idea of uh, quantum mechanics came, mm -hmm. which said that even the orbits are, cannot be correct because right. of the uncertainty the, that the Heisenberg... Right. And, the, and the quantum mechanics itself is, a, I think, a very fascinating subject because I, I believe in the last few hundred years, if you ask me, it's one of the game-changing ideas. Absolutely. The fact that you don't know whether the particle exists here or not, it's <laughs> always fascinated me, uh, which is not there in the classical particles. Of course. And which, which is actually by itself very fascinating because a classical particle is composed of electrons. Right. Protons and neutrons and so on. Though the electrons have uncertainty, the classical particle has a certainty to the extent that you see, for example, this water bottle, you know where it exists. Yes. So I think it is, it is very interesting to see that when the electrons are strongly interacting mm -hmm. or the, uh, the atoms are strongly interacting mm -hmm. in, a, uh, in, a, in some way, there is a kind of confinement. So where does, where does it start getting really probabilistic? So if you go down the well, water bottle… Well, you go down, you go down, probably at beyond nanometer length scale that is why, that is why nanomaterials have been very fascinating because at that point the properties start changing mm -hmm. but if you go down further mm -hmm. at the at more at the atomic and molecular level mm -hmm. then the uncertainty actually holds good according to me mm -hmm. the quantum mechanics is actually prime it is there everywhere oh would you say that yes i would say that except that this uncertainty has no manifestation you don't see the uncertainty because of the fact that first the uncertainty gets confined because mm -hmm. of the interactions of the, between the particles. What do you mean by that? What do you mean when you say uncertainty for is example, confined? For example, for a, for a free particle, mm -hmm. the uncertainty is very large. 
Okay, so that's why that's why the Heisenberg proposed the uh, position uncertainty and momentum uncertainty right. product greater than or equal to h Correct. cross over by two. Correct. But h is a very small number. Yeah. So in most of the classical observables, this h is such a small number that it's practically zero. Right. So you, you you that's why the correspondence principle came. Further correspondence principle, which Bohr said that in that limit it looks like a classical particle. Right. So the right. uncertainty is there. First of all, it's very small. Yeah. And that uncertainty can never be picked up. So yeah. if a cricket ball, there is a small uncertainty which you cannot actually observe. Right. So, right. And that right. is where there is a very interesting concept today of multi-scaling. That is, you look at the entire world of different length scale from electron to building. Right. Let's say this building. Right. So how do I put a, f a theory which uh, brings explains, it, everything. Uh, explains everything from the smallest particle to the largest particle? And in a way, what I hear you saying, Dr. Paul, is that you can potentially use quantum mechanics to even explain a building. Well, I mean, that's only in co concept. You don't need to do because that will that will be totally unnecessary sure, for that's the purpose. One. But what I'm trying but to say to understand, no, to, huh, that is very important. Is it possible? Yes, to understand in terms of the uh, the smaller length scale particles mm -hmm. would be a would be a theoretical challenge. Mm -hmm. Why do you say if that? You, if you look at uh, uh, if you look at the theories, the modern day theories which are developed first mm -hmm. at the quantum level, very well. Mm -hmm. And at the large length scale, which is basically engineering level, right. they have been developed independently. Mm -hmm. So what I'm now trying to say, can I connect these engineering theories mm -hmm. to the quantum theories in a systematic manner where I slowly go and build up the approximations right. from a rigorous quantum theory such that I reach the level of the theories at the engineering scale. So this is what today is called multi-scale modeling. Multi-scale simulation, multi-scale modeling in terms of theory. And just to be clear, Dr. Paul, what is holding that back? Is it just that the engineering guys are not speaking with the quantum mechanics? No, no, it's not, it's not very mm. easy because lots of degrees of freedom get frozen. Okay. As you go to a further length scale because you cannot use the electrons as the fundamental particles yeah. for a building because it's just too much. Yeah. So comp you cannot even do any, any kind of calculations yeah. because the number is just astronomical. Yeah. So you have to d freeze the degrees of freedom as you go to higher and higher length scale. So, for example, I'll give you a simple and example. And how, how precise is that for mathematical purposes? Yeah, so, that, that, so let, let's say I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. if, you have a, if you have a molecule where there are three or four atoms, you can completely understand in terms of quantum mechanics. Okay. I mean, within, within the approximation of solving the Schrodinger equation, but in principle, it is solvable. You broadly get it. Yes. Okay. But let's say I go to a much larger situation like a protein mm -hmm. in a biological system, number of atoms is so so large that I can't use quantum mechanics. You so can't? Can't because of, because obviously because of computational uh, limits. Limits. It's not that theoretically there is a limit. That is important so to understand. So it's a computational limit. It is computational limit. In principle, quantum mechanics can of course define, but it is just going to become too uh, challenging a problem mm -hmm. that you can never solve it in, mm -hmm. in, in the entire life. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? So then you start to uh, kind of freeze the degrees of freedom. And mm -hmm. then you say that, look, electrons are no longer my fundamental particles. It is the atoms. Mm -hmm. And I directly look at an interaction between two atoms, the forces that you are talking between mm -hmm. two atoms directly, mm -hmm. instead of looking at electrons as the fundamental particles. Mm -hmm. in actu mm -hmm. Actually, electrons, protons, in fact, protons themselves are not fundamental particles. Of course, none, as nothing is. Say. I think so, Zero would take it all the way yeah, down to strings to, and yeah, right. quarks. So, mm -hmm. But you don't need to see that. Mm -hmm. So we say actually atom-atom. So that is called the force field. 
So is, is that an approximation? Or? That would be an approximation. Right. Because we 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 have we are now trying to write a simple uh, equation to build a, to a diatomic force. Yeah. Let's say between two hydrogen yes. atoms or, or whatever. Right. And that has to be a, because we are not using quantum mechanics. Why is it approximation? Because I want to make a simple formula which can be used for wherever these two atoms are present. Right. I would simply write the energy expression. Yeah. Without taking records into quantum mechanics. Yeah. So that is where the approximation begins. You can't do it exactly. Right. Then when you go to, let's say, polymer. Yes. There is another length scale comes up. Correct. Where one set of atoms becomes a fundamental particle. Right. For example, in chemistry, let's say there's a CH3 group, methyl group. Correct. This entire methyl group is one particle interacting with another group. Correct. As if two... And so on and so on and so on. And so on and so forth. So I'm now freezing the degrees of freedom between the carbon, hydrogen, 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 etc. That's very interesting. And so every time I'm doing this, it, it is impossible to do exactly. So I am... Because the degrees of freedom freezing is not exact. There and are what's the extent of, of error as you go all the way from the electron that, to the cricket yes, ball? One, one is that we are not able to build these potentials okay. as you go, go forward. Yeah. That itself becomes very difficult. Mm -hmm. So it's very difficult to estimate uh, the, the uh, error. Mm -hmm. Where we have been able to build is probably between atom-atom mm -hmm. mm -hmm. force fields. Mm -hmm. And there I think there is a great amount of quantitative work to estimate the error. Sure, kind of that's very interesting. Professor Nagashi, maybe we jump to you because you know we've been speaking of forces at two extreme... Uh, length magnitude at some level when you do electrical engineering and you think of large machines does quantum mechanics worry you at all or it's a uh, non-concern well let me uh, say something about this um, there is this word called reductionism yes uh, which is used in philosophy of science uh, which uh, says that uh, what uh, Dr. Paul was describing uh, is an example of reductionism yes uh, reducing or in other words, trying to explain yeah. higher level things in terms of from, from lower, more basic, more yes. fundamental happenings and actions and forces and so on and so forth. Yeah. So uh, in, in engineering, one encounters it because uh, as engineers, we study physics and chemistry and mathematics. And we also study our own engineering subjects like civil engineers study how a building is built and things like that. Yeah. In electrical engineering in particular, uh, we have, uh, on the one hand, we have what are called electrical circuits consisting of big handleable devices or even micro devices, but sure. they are still uh, visualizable uh, as yeah. consisting of uh, uh, transistors, diodes and resistors. But electrical whatnot. engineering is interesting because at some level you're using electromagnetism um, at work, which is a fundamental force of sorts while playing with the real world or while Yeah, but let me uh, yeah, complete. Uh, hmm. And on the other hand, we also study electromagnetic field theory. Yes. And uh, these are usually two separate, se there are in fact two separate courses. <laughs> there's a course on circuit theory and there's a course on electromagnetic field. But how's fields. the world? Those are and courses. And so we, we get the uncomfortable feeling that the two are related, but what the relationship is not very clear. So the thesis of reductionism that electro electric circuit theory could be understood in terms of more basic electromagnetic field interaction. Mm -hmm looks plausible, but it has not been established 
as a you know sort of a has theorem or a proof kind of thing is that has Although, that been attempted at all no some books have attempted they have a chapter which tries to explain circuit theory in terms of uh, electromagnetic fields and so on mm-hmm. but uh, you know g- going to this idea of reductionism on the one hand and uh, the other idea of determinism which uh, professor pal mentioned or lack of determinism and uh, we also uh, talked about the notion of progress and so on one might recall that laplace uh, is uh, supposed laplace to have said that you yes. know give me the uh, initial positions and velocities of all the particles in the universe of course it is not clear what he meant by particles but maybe including his own body and that of everybody or what not the famous laplacian god yeah. yeah no no he said i don't need the god yeah. because my <laughs> yeah, principles of mechanics will enable me to predict yeah uh, the future yeah uh, of uh, the universe if i know if i know the conditions of the universe at a specific moment of time yes he didn't say so but it also is the case that he could have uh, instead of prediction he could have said that this happened in the past say 10 years ago or 100 years ago or a million years ago right and in the big bang case this is more or less what one is now doing mm-hmm. that taking the universe as it is today that's very interesting and using the theories we are trying to go backwards in time and saying that there may have been a time so many uh, billion or whatever years ago that uh, something happened but if you ask the question what before that mm-hmm. then th- theoretically there is no impasse or difficulty in other words the uh, view of time as it is normally taken by everybody and in, uh, physicists very strongly is mm-hmm. that time extends to infinity in either direction right there is there is a future ahead of us which is unlimited how simplistic is that i think i i cannot kind of see zero yeah in general relativity time begins from the big bang yeah but it's equal to zero and there is no negative time yeah but right. that's so. that's the decision of uh, the theory to sort of uh, truncate so. time there and uh, that's no, why you a, said now uh, it's not a truncation there is no time before that there's no for concept a, for of time before that it's no just truncated. like uh, in, a, in for differential equations there is what is called a finite escape time so you can write a nonlinear differential equation such that if you started with some initial conditions right now then as uh, time approaches a certain future time things start increasing uh, no, beyond see, limit and so on in general relativity time and space are the same Okay, they are in terms. They just get disentangled somewhere along the way after no, the big not, bang. They don't really get disentangled. They they are sort of remain entangled, and essentially mm-hmm. everything starts with at zero from the big bang. So yeah. the so then it's not it's not a linear thing which extends uh, either way. I just want to put that as a clarification. No, I think that's that very interesting theory. So I mean, if but I I'm only saying that that's the theory. So in other words, that's not a fact. in in the sense you know the certainty or the kind of in relativity it's probably explanations that we are looking for you know who started it and it's a theory uh, which hangs together and sure. predicts many good sure. things so therefore it's a sort <laughs> and of as you said there are other models than the big theory. bang which may yes. not be very popular or which yes. uh, are oh, not which, which have all sort of as explanatory as the yes. big bang no, they, uh, have, they, they have their feelings so. <laughs> but i think the reductionism itself but, is a very interesting point mm-hmm. and one of the challenges in reduction of reductionism is actually biology i yeah. should mention that because like brain yeah we can understand every single component of brain yeah. we can analyze chemistry everything you can do biology chemistry but can you now understand brain in terms of the components can you actually manufacture a brain yeah and then then it will be really like manufacturing a whole from its parts 
yes we are not able to do that and mm-hmm. i think one of the big challenges of reductionism lies in biology mm-hmm. can you actually manufacture a human brain in the laboratory synthesize a human brain yeah why is it we are not able life. to do yeah. maybe because interaction between the parts is very strong i don't know this is just my sure. understanding maybe sure. the, when the when you put the parts together something totally different happens mm-hmm. which you now cannot explain from the parts Yeah, and, yeah, emergentism, something. Yeah. yeah, so I think that is where there's a lot of debate going on. Sure. In the biology, sure. it's a very interesting uh, situation because, you know, that's where they say maybe God, you know, we don't know how, how humans beings are created and, and the science fails, the reductionism particularly. Sure, so that's very uh, interesting. Yeah, so those who sort of oppose reductionism yeah. uh, will say that the whole is more than the sum of its Much parts. Much more. Gestalt. Actually, so there are emergent properties yes, uh, coming yes, yes, when yes, things yes, are... Yes, yes. So I'd, I'd like yeah. to take up a little yeah. bit on what something Professor Pal said before. That is to do with this... Uh, that where does the boundary between classical and quantum mechanics come yes. in? Yes. Because see, if I'm going to make a building, clearly yeah. I will not sit down and do it with quantum you mechanics. You don't need to, but is it I possible? That's the question. The question is that, that why should I do something... Yeah. Just because it it might in principle in principle I suppose it's possible. Okay. Because we think that the laws of quantum mechanics are the fundamental laws of nature. Right. And classical mechanics is an approximation. Right. Which works when you are whatever quantity. At certain length scales, it works just fine. Yeah, length scales or whatever the length scales are set by something called Planck's constant. Planck's constant. Yeah. And if the length scales are large or length or time whatever scale is large compared to blank's constant mm-hmm. in that case the laws of classical mechanics work fine yeah they are approximations of the laws of quantum mechanics so i'll use it there yeah so the real question to ask is that at what stage do they start getting blurred it's when you are close to blank's constant yes so if you are below blank's constant or at that scale then quantum mechanics rules everything yeah but when you are significantly larger than that so there's a sort of gray area in between yeah, yeah. where does that gray area lie so really that is the area which he talked about is that nano, ma- macromolecules maybe maybe nanomaterials i don't know somewhere around the nano scale nano which is scale. 10 to the minus 9 meters mm-hmm. or perhaps maybe a, a couple of scales because it, it things it goes sort of fades in. it's it's not What's not the blank scale how 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 small is that well the a typical length scale would be somewhere around 10 to the minus 9 8 or 9 uh, right. centimeters is the scale at which you begin so to see the length from 10 power minus okay. 9 centimeters there's something else called the planck scale which is much smaller which i don't want to go into because that sure. brings in relativity also sure but we are looking at non relativistic science and then yeah. it comes in at that scale but a macromolecule for example okay mm-hmm. a cricket ball doesn't care about uh, quantum mechanics because it's just too big and any uncertainty as he said correctly is just uh, negligible compared to the size of the cricket ball it won't affect anything you want to do with the cricket ball yeah but if it's a molecule or even a large protein molecule for example yeah. it's at a place where some of the quantum mechanical effects work and Start then some of it works with classical mechanics so therefore you cannot use either yeah it's just too big to use quantum mechanics because there are too many components in it i mean there are maybe some uh, million uh, atoms yeah. making right. it right you can't use quantum you can't you can't do a calculation with that Yeah. On the other hand, if you use purely classical mechanics, you'll be missing it's some of the small. features. It's too small. It's too big for one, and it's too right. small for the other. So others. that's where this idea of using uh, sort of effective, what you call an effective theory, mm-hmm. you treat a whole bunch of components as one component. Right. And of course, this is something you normally do. I mean, when you, for example, if you're, if I'm a mechanic working with a car. Yeah. And of course I treat the carburetor as a piece. I don't yes. worry about what went into it. I treat Got the it. sparking plug as a piece. I treat the steering wheel as a piece. <laughs> and each of that has its own components. But you put those components together and then see how the components work. That's sort of the way in which this is done. Right, right. So, Sirup, why don't you spend the next 5 yes. minutes maybe just 
talking about gravity because it's it can seems I, yeah, to before be I, before i lose yeah, please, this thing please. can i just clarify yeah, what he said please. that i think he said very rightly that uh, there are big systems where you cannot use classical approximation yeah because it's 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 it's, it's there are still quantum effects so yeah. you can't simply use classical approximation though entirely you cannot use quantum mechanics because yeah. it's too big yeah so in fact there are very interesting so uh, what does theories, it do theories now being developed is that for example he talked of proteins let's say i again come back to proteins so they'll say there's a protein and a drug interaction which yeah. is very very common and to understand biology yeah the interaction is unfortunately is an effect that has to be d- d- detailed so mm-hmm. a, a quantum mechanical description is required you can't really classicalize you lose lot of effects today it is understood right so what what is done is that once you understand what is called the active site that is where the drug actually attaches to the protein around yeah. that side you actually cut out a some length scale where you i'm going to use quantum mechanics right and and, bef- and beyond that there would be an interface region and then there will be a completely classical region yeah so in fact in the same system people are today using portions where portions where, you portions use where you're using classical portions where you're using quantum so actually you're integrating uh, two different length scale and this would, this this uh, in fact evolved evolved into a very important theory called qmmm Yeah. in quantum chemistry qm yeah. oblique mm mm is basically classical molecular mechanics yeah and 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 for the application of this uh, development and application of this theory to biological systems in for last year's nobel prize 2013 actually nobel prize winners in chemistry mm. uh, nobel prize in chemistry went to three of the people but actually it's the 1960s when it started 1964 so you, you, today it is possible to have integration in, and, and why i'm saying biology is a good example now i can have quantum mechanics i can use classical atomistic plus as i said uh, forces which actually start from collection of atoms so right. all together i can integrate which is called mesoscopic simulation right so today we have a knowledge that is electronics length scale at quantum mm-hmm. then you have atomistic atom mm-hmm. atom then we have meso simulation which is slightly larger Correct. in fact all three can be integrated in one calculation so so the sophistication has come i must say to that extent depending on what is required where so somewhere quantum is required because there there is a uh, subtle effects of interaction somewhere it is not required so i can use a, a slightly less you know that's very interesting yeah, that's uh, very interesting less rigorous methods more approximate more approximate but this I almost uh, sounds like the wave particle duality in the sense that uh, you are now saying that uh, it has been uh, realized that we have to work at different levels that's where and yes. put them together yes. so we it's not a question of yeah the going back Choosing to the reduction thesis the other, that you know every time you go down all the way yeah, yeah. no we we for whatever reason we don't uh, maybe we can't Because we don't have yeah, the computational power have, yeah, whatever whatever, whatever <laughs> but we can work at different levels together absolutely, absolutely. so you so know this is a very new there's concept. no hierarchy as such but there is a relationship of the various levels to each other it's very interesting so which Pastor is Nagashi, a significant I think uh, no, maybe we'll go back to that other question in a while why do forces exist i mean in a completely non anthropocentric way why are there forces at all why are there forces in the universe and it's a question maybe addressed to all of you sirup maybe you take a shot at that and we'll unravel that i don't know who else doesn't know you don't know sure well, of course Right. These are some of the questions which we really don't have answers to. Yeah. I mean, that's the way nature is. There seem to be forces. Mm-hmm. We could conceive of a nature in which there were no forces between anything. But in that kind of a nature, according to Newton's first law, all particles would be moving in straight lines. 
Right. Those structures would ever form. And things would simply move away from each other and move away to infinity. Right. So the fact that the universe exists tells us there are forces. But if you ask why, yeah. we, we don't know the answer. This yeah. is a question which, which science neither knows the answer and I don't think science even attempts to answer. It attempt we know why answer. individual forces are the way they are. But if you ask why is that force there at all, we just don't know the answer. Let me put it another way. How are the forces today different from the way the forces were immediately after Big Bang, for example, and just simply because of you spoke about it a while ago? And just so there's an element of belief in this and there's an element of knowledge in this. Yeah, let's talk about so the, the knowledge bit. Uh, I think I'll talk about the belief Both. first. Okay. <laughs> because because <laughs> came first. the belief is that there was one, only one force at that stage. There's okay. one unified force which was responsible for all the, whatever happened, interactions happened just after the Big Bang. Right. And then as the universe grew larger and cooled down and you came to lower energy scales, uh -huh. then the different forces separated out in nature. At different temperature zones? At or? different temperatures and they separated out. So the right. first to separate out was gravity. Okay. Then, the, then after that came the electromagnetic interaction and then the weak interaction, then strong to separate out much later. Right. But uh, the point is that... Uh, we do think that there was a point and that there was a time at which all the interactions separated out and even matter and radiation separated out. And after that, the universe has been developing as we see, as it. We see it today. Yeah. Well, not quite as we see it today, much more dense. And, but basically the same kind of structures, right. structures formed, by which I mean atoms and molecules formed. Yeah. And then, of course, they got put together to form larger structures. But, the, the, but then the point is that you, can, you have to ask that what is the basis of that belief? The basis of that belief is that when you, you can recreate this by shooting particles at each other and making them interact for a very small time. See, yeah. when things cannot come together very close because of the uncertainty principle. Yeah. But if you increase the energy, they can come closer. Yeah. So there is a point. So this is what you would do in a hadron This is what collider. you do in a, one of these large colliders. All right. of them basically try to do that. You try to go to an energy scale, yeah. which reproduces the kind of distances they were just after the Big Bang. So, of course, we have been able to achieve only a small part of that. Yeah. When you do that, then you begin to see the forces as they were at work at that stage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what we have seen from there is that as you go up, you do get in unification of the forces. You do. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. so the first, the simplest one was the unification of electricity and magnetism, which was done by Maxwell. Yeah. And that happens even at, at ordinary tem uh, temperatures and ordinary energies. Yeah. Then when you go up to a certain energy, the unification of the electromagnetic force with the weak interaction, with the weak nuclear interaction, yeah. was discovered sometime in the 60s. Yeah. And the last proof of that was the Higgs boson, which came only two years ago. Right. And so we now we understood how that happens. We believe that the strong interaction is also unified at some higher energy, but mm -hmm. we don't have the uh, experimental proof for that. Sure, sure. And sure. we also believe. So that, that's why I said it is half it's belief. belief. And sure, that's fine. Half belief. Because you see, if you th see things happening, you expect it. Yeah. And uh, perhaps it's a sort of, uh, it's a human thing to believe that there is unification. There is only one one nature or nature is one. Yeah, yeah, Why is it difficult to, uh, uh, let me ask from a different perspective, yes. that why it has been difficult to unify the gravitation? Is yes. it because it separates out at a much higher temperature? No, I'll come, I'll come yeah. to that. Yeah. I'll come to that. But I wanted to say something about gravity. Yeah. Gravity has achieved one unification which we normally don't realize. Mm -hmm. And this was done by Newton. Yeah. At the time of Newton, people thought that the forces which move or whatever agencies which move celestial bodies are completely different from the humble force which causes the apple to fall, fall or whatever, anything to fall. So the laws of falling bodies were well known to Galileo, for example. Right. But they thought that, the, that when it They're is not stellar, the stellar objects, it's something quite different. Right. It is Newton who proved with his law of gravity 
that the moon follows the same law, the planets move follow the same law, and Edmund Halley showed that Halley's comet follows the same law and comes back after a certain time. Very interesting. So it suddenly became obvious to people that the laws which govern the world our terrestrial world are the same as the laws which are governing the universe at large. Right. And that is a belief which we still retain. Yes. That's why you do experiments in the laboratory and try to explain the universe with that. That's what gives you these <laughs> theories. So I just wanted to say that this is, very a, interesting. this is a very, very important unification, let us say, which was done by Newton. I mean, it has given us the courage. We have all followed Newton in this. That's very we, interesting. We still try to apply that. So we are, we are applying to the early universe. Of course, you can't do experiments with the early universe. And zero is, is, is gravity uh, indisputable but, fundamental force? But gravity, as we understand it now, is essentially a fundamental force. That's the way, that's the way we, we, we teach it and that's the way it's taught. Yeah. Very recently, over there, there has been an idea that gravity perhaps is not a fundamental force. Okay. And that's, uh, that's because... I think that's because it has been found very difficult to unify it with the others. I'll explain that. That's It's possible in a certain framework called string theory, uh -huh. which I don't want to talk about too much because sure. it's technical. Sure. And also because string theory has uh, had a lot of problems in trying to explain the world as it is today. <laughs> so it, 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 it does fine at the scale of the Big Bang. Sure. But when you come to the today's world, then string theory, it's difficult to connect, make right. it connect. Right. However, the point is that Gravity is difficult to unify with the other forces because all mm -hmm. the other forces fall into a certain framework which is called a gauge theory. Gauge theory, yeah. And whereas gravity can be written as a gauge theory only if the field is a very weak field. Yeah. Now normally the gravitational fields are weak. To have an idea of how weak it is, if you think of a piece of iron, let us say, yeah. you have a magnet, you pick up the iron. Yeah. When you pick it up, remember that on the other side is the whole earth which is pulling it. Correct. But a magnet is able to defeat so the earth. So a small magnet yes, which yes. you can hold in your hand course, can defeat yeah. the whole earth and pull up the thing. Yes. So that shows that gravitation is generally a weak field as we see it. But in the early universe, for example, when everything was very close together, then you were one by r squared. Correct. So gravity it was, was very strong. Was very, was very, very strong. Yeah. And then you have objects like black holes and so on, where gravity is very strong. When gravity is strong like that, then the quantum mechanics doesn't work for gravity. Because quantum mechanics works only for weaker theories. So that's the, that was the... But the, is it still a conjecture? No, the fact that gravity cannot, the quantum mechanics doesn't work for gravity but is well known. the fact that gravity that is probably an emergent force and not for So that, that is the idea which has come because some people have said, okay, perhaps you're doing it the wrong way. We can, we can write quantum mechanics only for a fundamental force. But maybe gravity isn't a fundamental force. Maybe it is what you call an entropic force or an emergent force, yeah. which is really means it's a collective effort. Yeah. Which is due to a statistical effort of many things. So let me give an example of an emergent force. Please. Take, take, there are certain... Take a polymer, for example, which means a, a long molecular chain. Correct. And of course, this can have various different configurations. Yeah. So, if you look at the geometry of the polymer, mm -hmm. obviously the one which has the least number of configurations is when you stretch the whole thing out into one single line. Correct. But if you let it coil up, then it has many more uh, possible uh, configurations. So, obviously, there are more configurations. So, mo mo most of the time, it will stay in that so if you leave the polymer alone, then the polymer will be in that coiled up and uh, condensed state. Right, right. So if you take out a polymer and you make it, stretch it into a long strain and, and, and just leave it. After some time, look at it, it has coil, it coils, it has up again. coils up. So you would think that it's like an elastic thing. It's, it's coiling up. <laughs> so Correct. this is an example of an emergent force. This is a force which it has nothing to do with any force which is actually pulling them, but it is just the... It's a self-organizing tendency. But, but tendency. today, uh, so, I mean, one can understand that in yes. terms of entropy. Absolutely. I suppose, entropy... So, as absolutely. so that's why they're yeah. called entropic forces. Yeah. So, I mean, even something like you take, a, take an object, 
and let it cool. And when it cools, it either expands or contracts or whatever. That itself is, is an entropic force of some kind. So right. there's an idea that gravity could be a force like that, in which case, of course, you cannot do right. the quantization. Right. So you asked, uh, yes. Prost, are please. there forces at all? Uh, yeah. Uh, maybe one can also ask, uh, how did the concept of force uh, develop? Yeah. Uh, and uh, is it possible to do without it altogether? Are forces necessary? Yeah. A uh, scientist philosopher by name Max Yammer mm -hmm. has looked at many of these things. He has a book titled Concepts of Force. Okay. Uh, he has another book titled Concepts of Mass. He also has a book on the historic development of the quantum, quantum mechanics and so on. Mm -hmm. So, uh, looking back into the history, of course, we can't explain why things happened uh, in that particular way. Sure. Uh, that will be asking for too much. Sure. <laughs> but, uh, say about 120 years ago, uh, Ernst Mach, said that the purpose of science is not explanation, but uh -huh. description. Right. And he felt that force was a concept which is only a defined concept. Right. Uh, it need not be taken as a fundamental concept. Hmm. And hmm. Uh, before Mark, in fact, in the 1850s, 60s, 70s and so on, energy was uh, the dominant concept, yeah. uh, emerging as a dominant concept. Yeah. So, people who adhered to explaining things in terms of energy transformation uh, were called energicists. Energicists. Yes. Yeah. So, but uh, Maxwell wrote a, li a little book uh, for the general reader, so to speak, uh -huh. whose title is Matter and Motion. Right. One can say, well, this is all that is really absolutely basic. Uh, I mean, for at least some part of science, you accept that there is matter. Now, the concept of matter would be atomistic mostly, so it will be a particulate. Sure. Then you may have one kind of particle, you may have several kinds of particles and so on. Sure. And the only other thing that you have is motion, that is change of place or uh, location, of course, in time, as it were. In time, yeah. And all the other concepts are introduced or have been introduced to enable some simplification or some better understanding of what is going on. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. the concept of a force could be an indis uh, a force, a concept which can be dispensed with, but maybe with uh, great difficulty, causing great difficulty in many understanding. Uh, That's very interesting. So you're saying it, it's probably largely a descriptor, and sure, sure, sure. That's very interesting. What? How do you think of electromagnetism, Professor Agashi? Uh, as a, as a force, would you say the same thing for electromagnetism? I think one of the uh, Major contributions of uh, electromagnetism as it developed uh, in the 1820s, 30s, 40s, going on to Maxwell and then Hertz uh, up to that point at least, was the development of the concept of field, which you asked about earlier. Yes. And uh, Faraday is credited with the idea of the concept of a field and Maxwell explicitly says that I got the inspiration from Faraday's writings and if I've done anything... I have put in mathematical form Faraday's ideas. I think the right. first one was Hans Ørsted, actually. I, yes, Ørsted was the first yeah, to uh, sort to of uh, observe idea. the effect of a current on a magnetic needle. Right. Sure. Uh, and this was an example of action at a distance. The yeah. current in the wire is here and the needle is there, but when I turn the current on, the needle deflects. Because that's the only field that one can see, at least in the case of... Uh, 
it's a, sure so mm. we don't see anything yeah we don't go see between anything. although other than brevity or state state visualize that there will be some something circular associated with the current which we may not see but right. it's there <laughs> and it is that vorticity or circular vorticity. Uh, thing uh, we called it the electrical conflict Yeah. which then hits the needle and therefore moves the needle correct so this was uh, an example of action at a distance of course gravity was another example of action at a distance the stone is there and it falls yeah and if you say that it's uh, because of the But earth then there is action at a distance yeah but out of that emerged the concept of a field yes uh, as a sort of a go between so uh -huh. the current does not act directly on the magnetic needle but yeah. the current so to speak produces a field let's say a magnetic field right and the magnetic field in turn acts on the uh, magnetic needle this is the way normally electromagnetism is introduced the field concept is introduced in courses on electromagnetic field theory and it is a concept which is still uh, being used the notion of a field uh, which uh, has this uh, advantage at least the apparent advantage that the action at a distance has been now explained by something which is more or less action by contact yeah because yeah. the field is associated with the current it is there all around it sort of by contact is it possible for there to be force without matter not if you in gravity yes in gravity yes because gravity has some effect in the in the some of the other interactions also fundamental interactions yeah what are called self interactions In other words, normally for the electromagnetic force, you think of matter as the source of the field. The, matter, the, the source of matter the field. is what creates the field. That's the current, or that's the matter. But some of these fields can actually be sources for themselves. So gravity, in particular, a gravitational field could be a source for itself. But that can happen only when there's a strong gravitational field. So it's strong. When the gravitational field is very strong, very it strong. can act as its own source. Yeah. But if it's not, then it's just like electromagnetic. It requires some matter to be. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What are the open sure. questions? Maybe no, you can have asked. you can sure. have a field description which uh, does not make any reference to matter whatsoever. Yeah. If you take Maxwell's uh, equations in yeah. free space, and yes. by free space we mean really space which is absolutely free of free. matter. Correct. But there are these differential equations that you can write for the uh, two fields, the electric field and the magnetic field. Of course, there are two of them, E and D, and B and H, and between. <laughs> and uh, there is the partial set of partial differential equations which, which describes something now there is no matter because by very definition it is equations in free space right okay now of course this is one can say this is only a conceptual thing it's just you write down a differential equation and then you play with it and try to solve it when it comes to using maxwell's uh, field equations you need matter you need sources Uh, without that you won't have the microphone and the sure, public address sure, system sure. and the radio and television transmission and so on you need sources so then you have maxwell's field equations with sources yeah now the source terms are associated with matter, with matter obviously so okay why don't we you spend the last 2 so 3 minutes just yeah please bit on this so this is what this is true but when you go to relativistic theory relativity yes. is as much a part of reality as quantum mechanics right in that case it is possible for the field if uh -huh. it has enough energy to convert some of its energy and create particles 
Oh, so the, so yeah, the creation of, of particles and creation of matter is possible. Correct. So f- between field and matter, the distinction is not that not that strong. The field right. can be converted into matter. Matter can be converted into the fields. The, the famous particles. Einstein formula at some level. So absolutely, it's yeah. equal to m c squared at that stage. Right. So it's possible. So you can have two photons annihilating and give you two electrons. At the end of the day, you have electrons, whereas originally had only excitations in the field. Terrific. Terrific. You are you are asking about some open questions. Yeah. What are the yeah. which is I, the what are the big open of, questions? We have two three minutes to go. Yeah, Why don't we just? One of those things was that I was discussing how how do you how do you connect the different length scale? Correct. And 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 understand the second according to me is that can you explain gravitation from quantum mechanics See, even okay. at a low temperature when maybe the entropy See, is. See, look. What uh, are the open questions? So, well, in physics, I think that there are two major open questions. Yeah. One is the fact that all the matter we see. Yeah. is only 4% of the universe. Yes. The remaining so the dark matter and dark energy dark matter and dark energy are unknown to us. So there may be a whole multitude of forces or interactions which we don't know about. So that's a, perhaps the biggest it's open very question. Very interesting. Yeah. The other possible question is that even the forces which we see we, are, we don't understand them fully. Uh-huh. There are problems with understanding those and of course we would expect to unify them. So right. Till now, we don't know how to unify it. It's not a aborted project. That project is very it. much on. That's it. It's, it's, a, it's exactly half finished. We have four forces. We have unified two. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the state. Sure. And certainly, we, I mean, this is, will be certainly one of the directions we'll progress. It's very interesting. Professor Ragashe, maybe we end with you. What is an open question in uh, the world of forces? Well, I, I'm not a philosopher. I'm not a professional philosopher at all. But I'm not studying really philosophy. Uh, uh, in that depth, uh, only to the extent that it was relevant to my understanding of whatever science Please. and mathematics and engineering that I've been studying, I've Please. delved into philosophy. But one says that philosophy just consists of uh, asking endless uh, questions endlessly. Yeah. In other words, there are no finally satisfying answers to questions. <laughs> philosophy consists of raising, uh, consists in raising questions, uh, riddles, uh, which. Yeah. Uh, of course, some of them have been there, like what uh, started the Big Bang, although that was not the old question, but yeah. was there a maker of the universe or how did the universe come into being? Uh, so that philosophical question still remains uh, for philosophers because it has not been answered Adequately the way that they would uh, <laughs> perhaps uh, want it answered. Terrific, terrific. Thank you so much to all of you for making it. I think that's a good note to maybe end it on. We look forward to having you soon again. Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me.